0: That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, I, whim, double I dot com. Jennifer Rose's entire career to date has been driven by her passion for fashion beauty, lifestyle, and wellness through storytelling and unconventional marketing strategies. She has 10 years of experience spread across public relations at agencies, influencer marketing and management, and content. She's consulted for brands like Kate Somerville and BioClarity, providing direction and management for their influencer programs. Prior to that, she led influencer partnerships at Open Studios at Ipsy, where she built community and brand ambassadorships, developing key programs with Ulta Beauty and Disney. Prior to Ipsy, she was a Senior Talent Manager for YouTube Ambassadors at Style Hall. She's currently leading social and influencer partnerships at Joy Mode, a localized LA startup. We are so excited to have her on the podcast today. All right, welcome to the podcast today. I am super stoked to have you on this episode this week. How's your week going so far? It's going well. It's not as hectic as it usually is, which is
1: really great. So I'm thankful for that.
0: (laughs) That is something to certainly be thankful (laughs) for. Yes, (laughs) yes. We will take it as it comes, right?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I am so excited to have you on today's episode. Um, I think people also listening are probably really intrigued to tune in, um, saw the company that you work for, um, maybe Googled you or looked at you on LinkedIn and saw your really cool history and your job trajectory. So in the intro of the episode, we heard a little bit about you, but I'd love to hear more about it in your own words. Like tell us, you know, how you even got to influencer marketing in the right. first place and, and how you arrived at where you are today.
1: Yeah. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been an interesting wild ride of my career. Um, I, I started my career wanting to be in fashion PR and was very stead set on being in fashion PR. Um, I went to FIT. I interned at Calvin Klein. And I was like, this is my path. And as you know, <laughs> once you're in your path, things change. Um, so I was in PR at an agency in LA and I was there for about three years and I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> I had and the funny thing is I had a blog at the time with my best friend called Spoil LA Girls which no longer exists. Um but that was like pretty much in the beginning where like bloggers were becoming a thing. Um this was even before fashion bloggers. Like there was no Instagram um but it was I really really enjoyed it. I love the digital side and was kind of always just loving the digital side of things i love blogging i love i just loved that side and i felt like that's where we were moving towards but our agency really wasn't keeping up our brands didn't have the budget to really do anything around social media or anything like that so i kind of just quit (laughs) i was like I'm going to go on my own journey and figure out where this takes me. Um, and so I kind of was doing copywriting. I still was, we had a couple of deals with the blog. And then I ended up at a startup media company um, launching three women's lifestyle sites, which ended up being kind of a mess and was really like me figuring out what. I wanted to do really what I wanted to focus on in the digital space. Um, At this time, websites, big websites are really big. Refinery29 was big, who, what, where was big. And we wanted to rival those websites. Um, And we had the resources, but not really, we had the financial backing, not so much the people backing. (laughs) So I was like literally thrown into like managing four people, which was super learning curve, which I love, I love the challenge of it. but again, I mean, being in such a startup where people didn't really know what they were doing um, and just like crazy personalities and just like so much going on that I was like, OK, time to go consult for a while and figure out again where I want to be. And was kind of having trouble getting into the content space just because I hadn't spent enough time in it. And I I had developed so many different relationships with brands over the years, mostly from being a blogger. Um, And had built these different kinds of relationships. And I ended up consulting for um, a small agency for Hyundai, a Hyundai campaign. Um, And they wanted multicultural influencers. And so I'm like, cool, this is amazing. I can do this, you know. And I knew a lot of influencers um, just from being in the industry. And so one of my friends was actually working at Style Hall. Um, at Melrose and Park, which was their management arm. And I was like, oh, you work here. I'm like, I need one of your, you know, one of your talent. She was like, oh, you should come work for us. And that's literally how it came about. I was actually supposed to do marketing and I ended up managing talent, which was really interesting because, you know, I had only worked with bloggers. and Instagrammers, but even Instagram was like not as big as it is now. It was really about YouTube. And at that point, I hadn't worked with many YouTubers. So it was really interesting. It was like a crash course in how they wanted to work, um, which is very, very different um, as the way bloggers like to work. Okay, so it was super interesting. I learned a ton. It was just a great atmosphere to be in. Um, I felt like we were all in this together, and that we were all learning as we go, because it was the it still is the wild wild west, I think, but it was the true wild wild west. I mean, brands were spending so much money in influencer marketing, specifically with YouTubers, um, and we were just kind of like learning the ropes, trying to help them grow their channels, um, but also it was a lot of campaign management. Um, and kind of getting more influencers into more campaigns, um, pitching them. And I love I love working with the brands. I love working on the brand side of things. And so serendipitously, Ipsy reached out to me because I knew I didn't want to do talent management. That's not, that wasn't really my thing. But I love working um, I loved working with the campaigns and coming up with really cool ideas and, and kind of getting the influencers in that. And that's the part I really liked. So um, Ipsy reached out to me. I started working over there and was there for about for almost three years, um, leading Ipsy Open Studios. Um, we were a small team, um, but you know when I got there, you know our LA office wasn't that many people. It may have been like twenty people, and it grew so quickly, um, and has been like the leading you know um, beauty subscription company, I think. And they've been doing a lot of really great things, and so. I led the community there. We had over 8,000 influencers by the time I left Um, and just really got into, you know, working with influencers in a very different way where it's more content focused and getting them in the funnel and how we create content and, and sponsored posts. And it was just like getting to work with these awesome brands was like, okay, I know I'm in the right place. And then I've kind of just built on that. You know, I kind of, I kind of fell into it to be honest, you know, even though I had built certain relationships I didn't know that I would go into influencer marketing. It kind of wasn't a thing. So it just kind of like developed into something and realized that like, Oh, I really like this path. Like I like, I love working with influencers. I love building those relationships and I love um, really coming up with cool campaign ideas. And it kind of was like a culmination of like all of my experience. And I just, I loved it and kind of kept on that trajectory but I really felt like I kind of fell into it which I feel like most people do (laughs) it's kind of like they start in this traditional career path and then you're like wait and I I feel like it was a very windy road I had to figure out what I wanted to do and kind of forging that way myself I really didn't feel like I had someone be like this is where you should go or you know it wasn't opportunities just like out there I kind of had to really forge my own path and 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 find my way to where I wanted to go and but really seizing opportunities.
0: And so what would you say you took from that experience the most? Like, you know, having it be such a winding road, like, you know, hindsight's 2020. Mm. And it's to look back and be like, yeah, it was just a windy road. And like I ended up where I am yeah. today. And that's fantastic. But I'm sure there were like like speed bumps along the way. Yes. And like, you know like a lot of transition going from role to role. and
1: Constantly transitioning.
0: Yeah, yeah. and like trying to just figure things out. And so, you know, what would you say you took from all of that uh, that you can really use for yourself moving forward?
1: I think, you know, not to take things so seriously and to know that, you know, you – you know, you go to college, you have your path figured out, or most people do, at least in the beginning. And you think like, okay, it's an upward trajectory. Like I get this role, this role, this role, this role. And it's not, it's not linear. Okay. It's a zigzag. Um, I think for some people it's linear. That's great. But for someone who, you know, I wasn't risk averse. Like I, I, I I've taken risks. I've, I've joined lots of startups. I've, you know, I I think it was a very zigzaggy road for me. And I think um, we have to take our mind. I think when when people graduate, you you think that it's going to be an easy road. I graduated when the literally like the recession hit. It was horrible. There was no job. Same. Okay. So, you know, trying to figure that out. It wasn't very easy when I started. And it's never been a real easy road. And I think to know, don't come into it thinking it's going to be easy. If I could look back and if I could look back and really prepare myself, like, hey, this is not going to be an easy road. It doesn't matter how great your degree is or where you interned or <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, it's not going to be an easy road. You're going to come up on challenges, but you're just going to push through. And I think, you know, be positive, but also know that like, it's not gonna be an easy road. It's, things worth having are just not easy. And I think the quicker that we can realize that, the easier it is to go through those transitions, at least for me, I think once I realize, okay, you know what, it's like never gonna be easy. I'm gonna have to like push, push, push. And also, but also let things flow as well and and be kind of mindful of like, this feels right and this doesn't. I think, you know, we can get caught up in this, is, this role this is what I should have, this is what it should look like. And I think to really like let go and figure out like, mm, this feels right and this does not. I've definitely gone into, you know, companies and interviews. And I also think cons- that's where consulting really helps because you can consult and figure out, would I want to like work here or work at a company like this? Um, you know, we're in a great place where you can consult or contract and you don't have to join a company full time. And I think that's a really good place to figure out, is this where I want to be? like is this the type of culture that I want to work for? And when you go into those interviews, really understand that, like, it's, you're interviewing them as well. And I think we come into interviews, like, (laughs) feeling like, oh God, it's all about them interviewing me. And, (laughs) and I have to be a certain one, but it's, it's also like, ask those questions, those like hard questions as if you're interviewing them. It's a two-way street. And I think, Getting that feeling—it's all about the feeling. At least for me, like if I get a weird feeling, I'm like, mm, it could be like the perfect situation, money, title, the the work that I really want to do. But if I get a re- a weird vibe or feeling that something's not right, I'm not going to go with that that road. And that's but that's from learning. <laughs> that's from like, you know, trial and error, right? You know,
0: it's probably from having that feeling and then maybe ignoring it or not necessarily as- taking it as seriously. And then being on the other side of it and being like, oh, I was right. Like, I had a feeling and it was correct. You know, it was spot on. And just so in that experience, I'm sure you really learn to trust your instincts.
1: Yeah. And I think that's like the biggest thing that we can learn along the road because it's not such a linear path. Um, you know, new evolutions, technologies come out and you, you, you're you like, oh, I want, I want to go down this road. I think really listen to yourself. And, and that's going to be your biggest. Don't, don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Don't worry about what your parents say. Don't worry about your friends, colleagues. Really figure out what you want and, and really go with that feeling, I think is, is really important in moving forward in your career.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. A,
1: such good advice. That's yeah. such good
0: advice. And, you know, I think that a lot of it, too, I think what you were also touching on is, you know, just like managing your own expectations. You know, I could speak personally. I know that, like, when I first moved to New York, like, I had a goal and a plan and a dream. And yep. <laughs> for the record, it had nothing to do with influencer marketing. <laughs> that's <laughs> not what I graduated uh, with. So, you know, ironically, here we are today. Right. Um, it had nothing to do with that. And I w- I gave myself, like, timelines, deadlines. Lines. I was really yes. strict with myself because I thought that that was a good thing. I thought that I was holding myself accountable by doing that, and I had someone in my life tell me at the time, however you, however long you think that your goal is going to take, it's going to take three, four, five times as long. <laughs> as <I can." laughs> and just simply,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: like, into terms with that has helped me so much in, in my, well, yeah. you know, trajectory and personally and all sorts of things, you know, and to what you said before, I could not agree more, which is like things worth having are never easy. You know, you have to work for those things
1: and stay in there and, and, and be persistent and, and be relentless. I think, What you said about reframing is so important and so true. I think you can be stuck and you're like, oh, I want this, I want this, I wanna be there. And then you're like, wait, 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 just reframing and thinking like, this might take longer, but I'm still in the game. Um, it really helps kind of ease things a bit and where you can flow into what you're supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to be doing it as opposed to this rigid deadline. I'm very, very goal-oriented. So I feel you. It's like every year I'm jotting down my goals and like get literally through half of them. (laughs) You know what I mean? By the end of the year. And you're like, well, I wanted to stress myself, you know? But sometimes those goals can actually get in the way of like our destiny. Like I think sometimes we're so fixated on those goals that we're holding on for dear life that we're not like open to receiving like actually what our path is is how it's supposed to unfold and um to your point that's kind of what i've learned too you know i'm always like what's my weekly goal what's my three three-year plans like three-year plan like what like i can't even i i don't know what that is anymore like it's just like <laughs> you know what i mean it's just like i I'm like year to year. And even that is like, why do I even do this? (laughs) But it helps, but it does help kind of like, it does help guide you. It helps realize like, where am I on my goal? And have my goals shifted? Like sometimes your goals shift. You think you want something at the top of the year and then you're like, I don't even want this. So I think um, to your point, I think reframing kind of checking in with yourself, you know, is this where I want to go? And I think that's kind of like, helped me as I've gotten older and more mature in my career, um, you're not always going to know. And that's okay. Like, you know, just kind of follow your instincts. And and if it feels good and you're like, this is a, this is a cool company I want to work for, this is a brand I, I want to work with, then go with that and, and trust it,
0: you know? Trust it and, and give it a real shot. And, you know, and just keep listening. You know, that's one thing that I think, you know, we, again, like... I don't know, people in this industry a lot, it's very female oriented and, you know, as successful women, there are a lot of qualities that are fairly consistent among successful women that I meet. And one of them is, you know, we all really strive to do things perfectly, right? There's like this idea of perfection. Oh, yeah. I, the struggle and I just think that it's good to have goals. It's good to, you know, be motivated and be goal oriented and, you know, have a semblance of a plan. I mean, it's uh, for us, perfectionists in this industry, I think it's impossible to not have that. So like, let's just accept that that's what we do. Yeah. But in addition to that, like leave space open to listen, to see what's going on around you. Um, because that's what's going to allow you to be able to make more informed decisions and to be able to appropriately and intelligently adjust. It can be a big adjustment, but it could also be little adjustments along the way.
1: Yeah, totally. I agree with that. I think, yeah, just pivoting when necessary, (laughs) right? Yeah. A hundred percent. Pivoting when necessary. Pivoting
0: when necessary, but you know, you got to have an open mind and be willing Mm -hmm. to listen. I mean, there's only so much that as a human being, we can focus on at one time. So if we're so hyper-focused on our plan, our way or yes. no other way, we don't leave space for other information to come into our minds and to come into our purview. Yep. So it's like, just like being mindful, like you were saying before, to just remain open and you know really observe and listen And talk and ask questions, learn from people, oh, it's just going to help you so much, like tremendously. Tremendously.
1: And I think mentors, like you said, talking to people, like, you know, getting mentors and not in, I feel like when we talk mentor, it can like kind of be like, oh my God, like how do I find a mentor? It's like this whole thing. But I do feel like they come in your life, they're there. Like, you know what I mean? It's just about really like setting up coffees. And you know, I feel like my mentor like happened randomly. Like she was trying to break into beauty and wanted to work with influencers. And then we just connected and I kept a relationship and she had so much more experience than me. I mean, she was raising money for startups and super smart and, and, you know, just knew a ton more. So I was like, I want to learn more. I want to know more about you. And so that's kind of how it unfolds. So I think having people like that, you know, when you feel like your career is very windy, um, having those people to kind of anchor you and, and get their perspective. And you realize that like, everybody's just trying to figure it out on their own. Like nobody knows how to do this thing. You know what I mean? Like we're all, we're all figuring it out. And I think when you realize that it takes a lot of the pressure off, you're like, I can go in there and, and, and give my two cents. I can lean in. I can, I can sh- take up space and show up because like, I might. Everything I say is not going to be perfect. It's not, and neither are the executives. Everything that comes out of their mouth isn't perfect either. Um, it's not like they're, you know, 100% informed in every little thing. But you feel that way as you, you know, you're going through your career, and you feel like, oh, I don't know if I should say this, or I don't know, do I sound intelligent? Like, just go for it. Um, that's one thing I I've learned, like you know, in my career, is that they don't know either we're all just figuring out as we go along and pretending like, you know, we're the shit and we know what we're doing. Like, and that's, <laughs> and that's it, that's all it takes. <laughs> I love it,
0: I love it, that's the key. We're all the shit and that's it We're all the
1: shit, like, you know, we <laughs> believe it and that's
0: it. But it's like to that point though, like all the energy that could be wasted, like oh. second guessing yourself and like feeling insecure about things. Oh my God. And- like just pausing before you speak and like the, you pause before you speak and you might lose the most brilliant thing you've ever said, you know? Oh God, so yes. to just to just speak and, and trust yourself and, and just know that it's like a safe environment to be able to do so. But to your point, not every role is like not every company is, you know? And so asking those hard questions in an interview, like maybe that's one of them, like to try to figure out for yourself, yeah. like, Is this a safe space to be able to experiment a little bit and like, and feel comfortable to be able to assert myself when I feel confident, Mm -hmm. or is it an environment where I'm not going to feel comfortable doing that for one reason or another? Um, I think that like the most growth can happen when, you know, you have all, and it takes the, you know, it takes a village when everybody has worked to facilitate an environment that, Mm -hmm that really yields that, yes. um, that like breathe that sort of openness and, um, dialogue back and forth support. Um, like that's an incredible environment where, you know, the company can grow and thrive and then yep. you as an individual can grow and thrive because yep. you're, you're able to, you're able to just experiment with lack of a better word and, you know, coming out the other side of that and seeing the success of what, um, you know, of what your ideas can become. Um, that's only going to breed more ideas and more risk and more of you just really honing in to your instincts. And I think that's such such a key to people. Yes.
1: Yes. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Totally.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And so, you know, talk to me. You're talking a little bit about, about earlier about your mentor. Mm-hmm. And so, talk to us a little bit about you know how you guys met and you know what you. You've done to sort of really foster that relationship yeah. and get a tremendous amount
1: out of it? Yeah. So initially, we had a mutual friend who I worked with at the Style Hall actually, and was like, hey, you should be in touch with this girl. She's awesome. She's, you know, starting her own beauty app and i was like yeah cool like i i'd love to connect i she needs some help in influencer marketing like maybe you can connect i'm like cool had never met her in my life um and so we connected via email and we got coffee and we just continued to get coffee we just hit it off i mean i think that's a you know i i would connect her with different influencers that i had really strong relationships with um and really, whatever I could to help her out, I'm all about connecting and and what I can do to help someone else out. Um, I think I was like, this is awesome. You're starting your own app. Like, <laughs> let me help you with what I can do and my expertise. And so, um, you know, just kind of being a part of that conversation, that was like kind of like the, that open door where it's like I have this expertise that I've kind of honed in on the last several years. And this is how I, this is what I can speak to. And I think knowing that when you know your thing that you can really speak to, I think is really helpful. Even if somebody is, you know, light years ahead of you or is more senior than you um, and who wants to have that conversation, I think is a two way street. You know, she was very open um, and so was I. And so, you know, we just kind of, we kept having coffee. We kept, then we, you know, we'd have lunch and it was just like, A very kind of natural thing Um, but I think it's also because we just hit it off and I think you know it can't be forced you know it has to be a kind of natural thing and I've always stayed in touch even if months go by I'm like hey like what are you up to like we should get lunch let's catch up and and she's she's been there when you know I'm like oh my god this happened and this is what's going on and and she'll you know be like you know whoa you know she's she's like a friend I feel like more so than this like and you know I put air quotes mentor because I feel like a lot of um, the language around mentor is this very serious thing that is like not so personal um and so yeah she's like a friend and so you know even she's told me about her challenges as well and that's why I say that you know I think the more we can all learn from each other so the more people that you have and that is on your level who's Um, maybe more senior. I think that's all really helpful and kind of guiding you and and hearing this different story. It's really about storytelling and getting a sense of, you know, a person's road and kind of the decisions they make, how they make those decisions. Um, It's really helpful. It's been helpful to me. Um, I I just don't think it's something that (laughs) that you can force, you know. There have been people in my life that I, along my career path that I listened to and that I was like, I felt had really definitely helped. And there were nuggets, you know, thrown in there. But this is different in terms of, it's more of a friendship with someone who's very much more senior than me. And it's been awesome.
0: Mm -hmm. And so talk to me about, um, have you had the opportunity to really mentor anybody yet?
1: Mm, You know... Not yet. I feel like I've definitely, you know, I've had direct reports where there's been a slight, some slight mentorship. People have to be open to that and want that. I think, um, you know, (laughs) the younger generation, I think, um, there's a lot to learn there. I think, um, you know, a lot of times they jump in and they think everything's going to happen like that. Like I'm going to get that promotion like that. I know my, my stuff. And I think kind of, you know, I had a direct report where I had to really have a a real conversation about, okay, this is like, this is what needs to happen now. And this is how you can get there and really having a candid conversation. I think, you know, some people cannot handle criticism. And I think if you can, (laughs) if you can really grasp criticism as soon as possible i've struggled with it as well i think most people do um she was actually a person who really like took constructive criticism really well um and i felt like there were some there was a little bit of mentorship there um where i'm like i see you like i see there's a lot of like potential in you i think we just have to get from point a to point b like get that out um And so I definitely try to as much as I can when I have direct reports, but it's not always the case. You know, if somebody has to be open to that, it has to be like a natural thing. but yeah, I haven't had that true. I look forward to it though. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, it's an
0: opportunity to give to somebody else what, you know, yeah. your mentor gave to you. Yeah. And you know how incredibly valuable that's been and how yes. it's probably made such a huge, huge impact on your life. Yeah. Um, yes. And so, you know, talking about, you know, just like women supporting women, you know, it, I, I hear you that your mentor happens to be a woman. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's some people just default to being very competitive and how incredible it would be if yes. it was, you know, just supportive, um, yes. and, you know, being able to mentor each other because, you know, again, like if you've had that experience, you know, how freaking powerful it can be. Yes. And so, like, it's that alone should be like, I, I, I just want to get back.
1: I just yeah. want to give back somebody else. Totally. Totally. And I also, it's so funny. I had that conversation with um, a friend of mine who works at Ipsy and she is, you know, she's not entry level, but she's a little bit ahead of that. And I, you know, I had a real conversation with her and it goes, you know, we just, we're friends so we can have that. And I'm like, you know, you have to, you have to go out and get it. Like there are certain, you know, and she's like, so wonderful. Like, She's that person that you want in your company culture. You know, she's like a real contributor to the company culture, really wants to learn, really want, but I'm like, sometimes people need to be like, look at things in a different perspective. And I think um, that was kind of like a mentor moment where I was like, hey, why don't you look at it from this angle? Why don't you take a course here? Why don't you? The company is going to pay for you to go to this conference or this. Why don't you do that kind of hone in on your skills figure, you know, and just kind of giving a different perspective, I think is so helpful, even with the, amongst our friendships. And what you're talking about is removing that competitiveness and makes the relationship very much more powerful when your colleagues, when your friends, personal, professional between women. I think when we can have really candid conversations about career, how we feel in our career Somebody can really open up about, well, this is how I handle it. I actually had a similar situation, and this is how I handled it. Those types of conversations, that's mentoring. Like, you're mentoring one another. And I think um, I'm having more and more of those, funny enough. Um, You know, I had a really deep conversation with a couple of my friends who are very professional about salaries, about, you know, which is not something that... (laughs) We had ever really talked about before. And I said, you know, this is something that we should talk about consistently. Because if you don't have these conversations, you don't know what people, you don't know what companies are paying, you, what the market is. You don't know is. anything. <laughs> you really don't. I mean, Glassdoor can help you up to a certain point. Like, you really just don't know um and so and linkedin and all these other tools but i think it's really about having real conversations about other people who are at the same level as you and being like you know what have you been getting how have you been like negotiating this and and seeing and also seeing the disparity and being like oh shit or you know being like oh damn i make a lot of money whatever it is i think those conversations as hard as they are if it's in a safe space With friends that you really feel, you know, you can open up with. I think that's really important. I think that goes beyond mentorship like that, that is like having, but that comes with relationship. And so I think if we can really foster these types of relationships with other women, having those real conversations about Compensation and all of that is like I think it's so valuable, like beyond. You know what I mean? Because you feel supported, you feel like I can be transparent, and it will help. It it gets value. It helps you down, you know, on your career road, and and sharing that with other people too.
0: Absolutely. I mean, one thing that I loved so many things about you is that, you know, <laughs> at the top of this episode before we even started recording, I was like, you know, is there anything that, you know, you're not comfortable talking about? And you were like, what's the point of this podcast? It's <laughs> to talk about same, some of the things that maybe we're a little uncomfortable talking about or like, yeah. we just got to talk about things because it's just going to benefit everybody. I mean, that's part of the, that's literally, you know, the first word of, you know, our mission as whim, it's to share to network and to lead. So, yep. you know, to share information with each other for the purposes of making our work stronger yep. and, you know, to network with each other and make those connections and to foster like the next you know generation of leaders. Yes.
1: Yes. Through relationships, right. And being yep. confident and feeling open enough to kind of let those people in. And I think, um, that's, that's what really helps, I think, along the career journey and even in your personal life.
0: So it's like even just like pushing, like push the envelope. Like I hope this, I hope this conversation, even this alone, like our conversation, you and I just like really inspires somebody to just like push the envelope a little bit with, you know, things that are discussed because like, in maybe in certain instances, people will be like, oh, like, is it just self-serving? Is it selfish? Is it, you know, is it wrong? Is it this? Is it that? To have these conversations. And it's, it's the theory that I have about networking in general. It's two-way street. Everybody yes. benefits when you network. You know, some people are like, oh, it feels like I'm just like leeching off of them because of something that I need from them. Right, like, right. Oh man, like networking is like eventually they're going to need something from you. and you,
1: exactly.
0: And it's like, it's less about that. And it's more of like, you're supporting each other. You know, you're talking about reframing it. Like, I don't think it's bullshit to say that. Like some people would be like, oh, but is it? Yes, that's what networking is. That's what it is. Like you help each other out.
1: Like, you know, create a support system.
0: Absolutely. And I do think that just simply reframing it and really believing that will, you know, really open up your mind, open up so many opportunities Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah.
1: don't be closed off. I think, you know, I know coming into networking events and things like that can be very like oh my god, intimidating you're nervous and um, I actually find like going to networking events by myself is like the best thing because (laughs) otherwise I don't really talk to people outside of who I came with. It's, it's the best thing. So I yeah, I mean, get out there. Don't be afraid. Everybody's in the same boat, honestly. Like everybody's nervous to talk to one another. But I think once you open that kind of like, hey, like what do you do? Where do you, you know, and you'd be surprised who you hit it off with and, and who you stay in touch with.
0: Definitely. And then one last thing that I want to say about networking in particular is like, I don't know. Again, I'll speak personally. I always like to speak personally. I don't want to just like make right. Up, right. <laughs> like, in my experience, when I've gone out and gone to networking events, sometimes I've felt in the past, like I have to be a certain way. Like I have to be professional. I have to project this sort of persona. And I'm like so in my head about it. And when I finally like had started having more success with these networking events, it was actually because I was just totally being myself and talking about not necessarily all about business, but being like, Yeah, uh, I have a dog, Jojo, and (laughs) I have a cat named Buster. And they're like, oh my God, do you want to see photos of my (laughs) child? And let's exchange cat photos. And like, that's really where the magic happens. Like you were talking about your mentor. Like why has it been so so successful? Because you guys actually hit it off. It's because you guys actually have a human connection. And so sort of like cutting through the idea that you have to be a certain way which like that's nerve-wracking all into of itself
1: I feel like when I started my career uh, I felt like I had to be that way for a very long time I had to be a I had to be professional and I had to be this way and that actually like really hindered me (laughs) it actually held me back and realizing like I, this is not, I has to be like a human being. Like I can't, and if the company doesn't, isn't good with that, then peace. Like I, you know, you just can't, you, you can only, cause we're kind of taught that. Like, you know, I think this, the generation after us is a little bit different where they're like, oh, we can work in all these like cool environments and we're accepted as we are. When you, years ago, okay. Like the way your parents teach you, the way your grandparents, It is very different. You were taught to, like, be a certain way, act a certain way. You have to, like, show yourself like this. You can't get too personal. And I was very much like that in the beginning and taking that off and being like, F that, like, I'm going to be myself. I can't be like this. This is not going to work for me, Um, which took a while to come out of that because I was so afraid of not being in this mold. That is, like you said, that is where the magic happens. Like, you cannot, this is not this the 80s, the 70s, the 90s. This is the, the 2000s. You cannot come in there, like, stiff and rigid and being like, you have to be a certain way and networking and business because it just will completely hinder you in whatever you're trying to do. So when you said that, I was like, oh, my God. Yes. You would come into there, you're like, oh, it's supposed to be like this. And you're like a robot. Like, no, no, no.
0: Don't. Nobody wants to be friends with a robot. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, nobody wants to work with a robot. Nobody wants to be friends with a robot. Like, and you're not a robot anyway. So stop acting like you are the one.
1: Exactly. Oh, my God. Yes.
0: Yes, definitely. And so, you know, let's transition a little bit. Like in your current role, how do you guys, first off, how do you guys work with influencers? What kind of influencer are you working with? And just talk to us a little bit about, you know, your company and, and how you guys uh, work in influencer marketing.
1: Yeah. So Joy is, is a hyper local startup in Los Angeles. Um, it's all about access over ownership. It's kind of like a rent the runway, even though we don't use the word rent. But it's it's like a rent the runway, but for stuff. So if you know you want to have a backyard movie night, you can easily. It's a monthly membership, and you can reserve it and send it back. If you want to have you're having a kid's birthday party, um, we literally have birthday party packages that if everything is in there, and you can reserve it, and that's it, you're good to go. Um, We have giant games, camping gear, so things like that to kind of enhance your life and like bring connection in your life, but you don't have to go out and spend all this money, figure out where you're going to store it. Um, And so it's, it's less, it's, it's about kind of reducing your consumption and waste um but also just having fun and and having those items at your fingertips that you might not necessarily have at your fingertips or have the space to um- it's
0: such a cool concept like i have to just say that aloud i love a good concept of a company <laughs> that like too. serves such a purpose but also like it's like what you're saying it's like it makes it like because these items are so easily accessible like yeah. it makes it easier and more more uh likely that you're gonna have these experiences. Yeah. It just makes
1: it so easy.
0: I mean, so, what what a wonderful thing to give yeah. to
1: people. I know. And and when I joined, I was like, oh my God, like I love I love the messaging behind it. And I was like, I have to get behind this. Um and so because it, it's been a challenge because it is hyper local. So it's been a very unique challenge that uh of working with influencers and you know also we don't pay them either so <laughs> we work with micro influencers we use a platform um that's been like super helpful for us and um we i mean we scale to like 20 influencers in like three weeks um that were only in la and it's not even just like it's literally los angeles county that we can really service um, and so we work with micro so small, we have a couple of mid tier as well, but typically we work with about micro influencers and really like how I'm fostering those relationships with them. And what is micro
0: to you guys? Uh,
1: yeah. So I would say for us, it's between like 10 K and like 50 K. Okay. Um, that's micro for us. And even we even go, even. Under 10k, if, if they have really great content, especially as a hyper local company, I'm not so focused on their following as I am, about how many, of, how much of their their audiences in LA, um, and. You know how connected they are to um just the, the community in la and the communities that they that they're a part of that's really most important to me um so they could have 5k and and be great and i'm gonna work with them um and it's been really so cool because the fact that we're not paying we just don't have budget you know it's a startup we don't have budget to pay to pay influencers. although i wish we did Um, I think we could do so many more cool things, but when you're on the ground floor trying to build this buzz and that, that groundswell, I think, um, influencers has helped tremendously with that. Um, you know, they, they can earn money if they are really sharing those links, um, and getting conversions, which has been really, really interesting, um way for us to compensate them um but it's it's been so interesting because they get free membership for three months so it's kind of like our trial period it's like okay our standard membership that most people get is three months so we put them on a three-month membership and they post so much more content than they're contracted because the items are so cool and they're having all these cool experiences so they're like I don't even care. Like this this is awesome. So it's been so interesting as opposed to a beauty company, right? Or beauty products where it's like I'm sending out product um hoping that they're going to post and you know hoping that they're going to love it. They are going to love Joy Mode. Like it's not even like it, once someone starts to use it, once they use it for about a month, we would then see all of this amazing content coming out. Um, that's very natural and organic and they're using it and they have, they're inviting friends over and it's been incredible. Honestly, I've never seen anything like it. Um, especially when you're not paying them and they just want to, they want to continue to post for you. It's, it's been such a, a, just an interesting case study really.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure in how it compares to working, you know, from beauty,
1: um,
0: which is like also, you know, traditionally speaking, at least like a very specific type of influencer that you would use in that world to, you know, your current company, you know, the types of influencers that you're working with here. I'm sure the scale of them is much different. I'm sure like, the, I mean, they're so different in so many different (laughs) ways I can only imagine. So talk to me about, you know, your experience working with micro influencers and, you know, targeting them for a variety of reasons, some of which you touched on. and you know it being in exchange for membership and not being compensated. Um, so, what is your you know what are some of the challenges that have come up, um, and what are the successes that you guys have
1: had? Yeah, challenges. I mean, again, being hyper local means we cannot work with as many influencers as we'd like. I think, um, and also challenges if not, if like not hundred percent knowing. What part of their audiences in l a. It's really hard to drill that down. Like you can drill per state. Drilling to l a is really tough, and it typically is usually like ten percent at the most um, for most influencers who do live in l a. Um, so yeah, I think it's been interesting with that just because, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, it really, from our perspective, it's really brand awareness. It's really just getting those links. Um, I We found that like the space between traffic versus conversion is crazy. I mean, we could have like a few people click on that link and there's one conversion. It's like one out of three. So it's like, like I said, it's it's a, something that is so different than what I'm used to in terms of the numbers, the way it, it drills down, that it's like, this doesn't make any sense, but we're gonna go with it. So we're constantly like kind of reiterating on what we're doing. Um, For us, it's been great and the successes from it is just the amount of content that we have to use in our paid ads. Um, We're in the process of whitelisting a few influencers because we ran the program for long enough that we know which ones performed the best. And it's been amazing, like the relationships that we've built that they're willing to like, yeah, you can whitelist we don't care. It's fine. We love joy mode so much. And it's like, this is awesome. You know, it's, and you know, coming from the beauty side, it's like usually not that easy. So, um, just the amount for us, it was about getting a bunch of links out there for, pe- for referral links to really get people to, to join and to get in the funnel, but also just getting a ton of content that we can use on our social. Um, that is what our audience responds most to is, influencer photos ugc they don't respond to like high quality photos they don't care how pretty it is they want ugc so it's been really um which is another thing that's really been different for me you know coming from a fashion beauty space where people don't like beautiful photos like they come to joymos you know because they want to see cool experiences they want to see people having fun they want to see how those bundles are working in real life and not post, and I appreciate that. Um, it actually, it makes my life a lot easier, so I, I I love it. And so, really, it's been just getting all the. Con- I mean, we have so much content that we get to use in our email, and our paid ads, in our social, um, on our website. That really um, kind of helps paint the picture and and sell tell the Joy Mode story way better than we can.
0: And so, oh, I have so many questions on that. Yes. <laughs> So one question in regards to the whitelisting, and we hear, like, you know, there's a lot of conversation about whitelisting. Mm-hmm. Like, people, I think, have finally realized that, like, that is such a key to having, you know, influencer marketing be successful. Um, okay. it's Like, it's so key. I mean, sure, it's having the influencer create the content um, and put their personal spin on it. And sure, part of it is posting it on their platforms, but for it to really grow legs and to really have impact, it's all about whitelisting. And so, you know, talk to people who are listening who have either never whitelisted and convince them why, or people who, you know, are whitelisting and maybe having trouble with it, being like, I can't figure out what type of post to whitelist, to your point, you know, you get a lot of different, you know, influencers working on a campaign. And it's like, how do you guys decide which one is going to perform well? Or if you don't, and you're just experimenting, what have you found from that experimentation?
1: Yeah, I feel like this is going to be different from every brand. But for us, what has worked is, so we look at, how long that post has been up on their, on their Instagram feed and figure out what if they've gotten so much engagement on that post. And we have, first of all, data, data is key. Like, you know, you have to, you have to use some form of data. I've worked with, I've consulted for brands who don't want to pay for it. I'm like, if we don't have the data, we can't do anything with this. Like it's super important. And I think we're, we're, we're in the age where data is just going to be, it is, king. it is, we're already in, we're there. It's king. Like you have to have it. Otherwise you can't even sell upper management on it. Like it, it's a whole thing. So on our dashboard, like I can see what are the top posts that have worked, that have worked the best, what have been the, that had the most response. And also when we post on our, um, we repost we on our Instagram, what has gotten the most engagement so that combination of theirs and ours has really helped kind of inform okay this is probably gonna work best in an ad um and really taking it from there like we have an agency that we work with that does our paid ads and I, re- I was like wait why are we using a photo like we have one photo that just does so well like of an influencer but we don't whitelist and I was like wait a minute we need to be whitelisting this content <laughs> like why aren't you guys like asking us to do this, <laughs> like, you know? And, you know, when you're in the weeds and you're doing so many different things at a startup, you know, you have a gazillion things you're doing. Um, I was like, wait, 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 we need to pause, like, pause on these ads, like, we need to be whitelisting this content that we're doing. And so that's not even, like, I don't do, that paid ads is not my not my zhuzh. But when you're in influencer marketing, you have to be the one to be like hey this is where we need to be using this here this is what you have to you have to think outside of just building these relationships with influencers getting them to post content you know tracking that it's like how can we use this throughout the organization to really kind of foster this growth to really create a groundswell if it comes up in the in the feed and they're going as an as a joy mode ad and it's not the influencer it's not the influencers ad it's just not going to be as compelling people are going to just go p- right past it and we've seen how there's not as many comments on some of the ads and it's like yeah we're not whitelisting we have all of this great content let's use it let's we have these great relationships that we've built over the last few months like let's use it so i think um Letting, letting the data speak for itself will really be helpful in terms of like which, which post to whitelist um, and which influencers to work with. It's not just about the data. I mean, obviously you have to have that relationship, um, you know, and sometimes it usually costs a fee to do that. You know, influencers want to get paid for that. Managers are going to say, hey, like there's an extra fee. Um, but if you're working with smaller influencers, they're just happy to get to, to, to just be put out there and to get exposure. And a lot of the times they want to work with you and, and they will let you be like, yeah, show me how to do it. And you know, we'll get it going. And that has been our experience. So I think, um, you know, it goes back to relationships or everything, but also like looking into the data, like looking into the data, don't just pick like, oh, like this post looks great and she looks great. Like, let's use it. I think you have to really see like where the engagement is um and how people have interacted with that piece of content before I, actually putting an ad behind, you know, yes, spending money yes, on it. A hundred percent.
0: I mean, every brand is different. So, you know, taking your own personalized data into yeah. consideration, um, you know, engagement rate, which everybody talks about is just scratching the surface surface. of the data that's available and that should be used and utilized. And, you know, talking about pushing the envelope, like let's push the envelope to see like what additional data points we can, you know, extrapolate from the content that's being created. So like as a brand, or as an influencer, even like you should be able to articulate, you know, trends that you see, what's performing best, and you know, and to be able to like not say, oh, it's up to the algorithm, no. or you no, know, it's it's and I have no control. It's like that's not actually true. Yeah. That's, just an excuse that's just what people say and a lot of people say it so I get that like it's easy to say as well Um, but I would challenge everybody to like, look into your data. So if you get a ton of content for your brand, start digging into it. Even on one campaign, you can find out so much information, you know, like you, you gave everybody the same brief. And so, you know, you have certain parameters that everybody created content around, but What are the differences amongst Uh, all of those pieces of content? You know, are there certain colors that are performing better? You know, there's so much in like color psychology and how people respond to certain colors. Like this is all visual content for the most part. is posting on Twitter much anymore. So it's all visual content. And so, you know. Uh, is there is there a tone in the caption is there you know like really digging into it and really like critically looking at it to see what can I pick up from this and then tracking that information and
1: listen to your audience like mm -hmm. listen what do they want what do they want like your audience that's following you they know And those are the type, and you want more of those people. So paying attention to what your audience likes, I think is so important. Don't go off just like what you think is going to work. Like dig into that data and really listen to your audience. Like they, they hold the keys. They know, they know what they like to see and what resonates with them.
0: Yeah. And just the important thing that I'll finish up with about data in particular is like, you know, every day that you wait to collect data is just like another day wasted because, like, the importance of data is that you can look at it over a period of time and find trends. And so, every day that you put it off and yes. you're like, oh, there's so much going on, like, oh, I got to focus on all this stuff, like, you're just wasting all this time and you're pushing it back so much further because it takes time to be able to collect all that data to then totally. be analyze it. And it's just again, it's like it's just all about having an informed decision. um again, like whether you're a brand, whether you're an agency making recommendations to a brand or yeah. a consultant making recommendations to whoever your client is, or an influencer themselves and being able to say like, I, I, I'm i not recommending this because it's a whim, off of a whim. I'm recommending this because I'm informed on all this data and yeah. how se- more seriously incredibly, do you seem if, you know, you're coming at it from that perspective, yes. um, and there's so many tools out there now that are both influencer related, whether it's a platform or whatever, or just completely in a different world. Yes. Um, you know, there's, there's just data at any company adds <laughs> level of legitimacy to what you're doing. Most successful companies are right. you know, taking that sort of things into consideration. <laughs> yes. <So> it's 100% <laughs> worth focusing on and, and having conversations about it. I couldn't agree more with you. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah, Yeah,
0: absolutely. I have so many more questions for you, but we are (laughs) running out of time. So I want to ask you the question we ask everybody on the episode. What do you wish that someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or personal advantage today?
1: Mm, That's such a loaded question. (laughs) It goes back to what we were talking about. Be yourself. Be yourself out of the gate. I think also another key thing is whether it's a boss or a coworker or whoever, don't let anyone make you feel less than or not good enough at what you do. You are learning, you're good. (laughs) Like, otherwise, you will start to shrink and you will shrink away from who you really are and what you can really be and it will stifle your growth. So I will say don't, and I know I feel like this isn't talked about enough, like don't let your boss, don't let your coworker make you feel that you're less than and that you're not good enough at what you can do. You might be starting out, you might be senior and somebody can put you down It because what happens, it makes you kind of close off and shut down and that's not going to keep you growing and keep you it's easy to do that right especially if you're early in your career but even even later on keep leaning in keep stepping up keep sharing your voice and don't let anyone kind of deter you from doing that I think it's something I would tell myself I think you know when I was just starting in my career many moons ago um I, I let that happen. And and then you have to peel back the layers and like, oh, shoot, like, what am I doing? Like, this isn't me. So I, I, I if I could tell my younger self would be to kind of just let that go. Let it go. And obviously, if it's constructive, yes. But don't let that stop you from um, from sharing your ideas um, and from being the best that you can be
0: be yourself outside the gate I love it outside Outside the gate gate. (laughs) I love it I love it I love it um I'm sure that people are gonna want to get in touch with you possibly be a mentee of yours yeah so if they want to get in touch (laughs) with you what's the best way for everyone to find you
1: oh they can find me on Instagram it's it's Jennifer Rose ITS in front of it um DM me DM me I feel like that's the easiest way
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for being on today. I feel thank like everybody is going to get, they're going to get in touch. They're so excited to learn more from you and you've been incredible today. So thank oh, you. thank you!
1: It's been awesome.
0: Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments. So comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time. And thanks for tuning in.